podcast about the Ole Miss Rebels. Uh, I'm, of course, I'm your host, Justin Sanders, and we got a very special edition of the show this week, uh, recording live in the studios here in uh, Madison, Mississippi, joined by uh, my guest co-host, William Bedwell. How you doing today, Will? Hey, I'm doing great. It's awesome to be on the show. Yeah, long time, long time listener. Shout out to all the fans of the show out there. Your dreams can come true. Hey, look at that. This is Will's dream. Apparently, I had no idea. Uh, it was this easy to make his dream come this true. This is the only one I had. This is it. Uh, after this, um, he's also in law school. But I've heard you're gonna drop out now that you've achieved your dreams and you're moving on. No, but I'll, I'll say before we get into it, Will, you might have noticed uh, it's a little different recording the podcast as opposed to listening to the podcast. You might have noticed did not play the intro music live. It'll, it's not. I've been waiting on it. I thought it was Yeah, no, live. I think a lot of people probably assume we bring in uh, M- MC Ren, right, the rapper, and he comes in and he does it live. And, you know, we've done that in the past, but every episode, you know, sometimes MC Ren's on the road, so we don't, we don't get that. So, yeah, we're just going to insert it later. Kind of look, kind of getting to see behind the curtain here. Well, <laughs> I guess I should say thanks, John, for letting me step in. Yeah, we we should we should mention uh, uh, the whole show went on a little hiatus here. You didn't have an episode last week, you might have noticed, but uh, John's on a little bit of vacation. I think he's on a golf trip right now. Shout out to John. Uh, this will be a test. I know last time I recorded the podcast without him, he did not listen. So. I'm not expecting a whole lot uh, of engagement from Mr. Spanzik. I've already texted him a few times today. Yeah, no, Will just keeps texting him like, uh, yo, I'm cooking you, bro. It's your place. I'm, I'm taking your, your show. Yeah, I think you texted him like, R.I.P. John and all this shit. It was kind of, you're kind of taunting him about it, but uh, that's cool. Um, <laughs> no, i just kidding. John will be back with us next week, I'm sure, but uh, happy to have Will on today, as I mentioned. Law student at Ole Miss, hopefully can provide some insight into the uh, ongoing I guess you could call them legal issues Ole Miss is having with the NCAA, although technically the NCAA isn't a legal entity. They don't actually have any sort of legal power. They would fashion power. themselves as right. One, they so. would like you to believe that they are a um, a a legitimate and uh, legally binding institution. Although, who, who's really to say how true that is? Um, let's get into, as I mentioned, uh, Ole Miss NOA response. We've been hyping this for a while. We knew it was. Coming at us sometime late in the month of May, released on Friday before Memorial Day weekend. We're recording this on uh, the Tuesday following said holiday weekend. Um, we'll get into the, the the violations that are outlined in the NOA. Didn't really learn anything new. Uh, got some specifics on some things that maybe we were uh, not clear on, especially I would say some of the allegations that originated with Lindsey Miller. Um, some of that. Uh, basically, now we know exactly what Lindsey Miller turned over to the NCAA. We knew before that uh, he had basically done everything in his power to lash out against Laramie and the Ole Miss program following the domestic violence incident that I'm sure you remember uh, from last August. And uh, it seems that Hugh Freeze's quotes in the media after that, where he painted Lindsey Miller as a as a wife beater, didn't sit too well with him, and uh, perhaps. One of the reasons Lindsey Miller turned state's witness, as it were, uh, against Ole Miss. We'll get to that. We're also going to talk about the SEC baseball tournament. Ole Miss, uh, I'd say, performed better than expected, especially by me, given uh, Mike Bianco's traditional showing in this event. I I wasn't expecting uh, too much, but they made it all the way uh, to the semifinals, played on Saturday, where they... Lost in dramatic late-ending fashion to uh, Texas A&M. And we're going to talk about that call 
That's what I. That's the only reason I'm here. Is talking only about reason, the baseball game. Only reason you're uh. here is to talk about uh, some of that. Yeah, there was some very questionable uh, officiated in that game. We'll get we'll get there. We'll also talk about Ole Miss's uh, regional draw. They'll be hosting uh, this weekend number two seed Tulane, number three seed Boston College, number four seed Utah. We'll get into that a little bit later on in the show. Uh, and then maybe at the end we have a little time left. We might discuss. Um, Art Bryles being fired at Baylor on the heels of what turned out to be a rather damning investigation into the Baylor football program's handling of sexual assaults by their student-athletes. So lots to discuss on the show today for sure. Let's loop back around. As I mentioned, Ole Miss responds to the NCAA notice of allegations. Well, we were just talking about numbers before the show started. So involved in those allegations, there are 28 total allegations, 13 of which are levied against the football program. But uh, right off the bat, I think we can throw out, um, maybe just for the purpose of discussion, obviously the four violations that occurred under Houston Nuts' tenure, uh, having to do with David Saunders, Chris Vaughn, altering ACT scores of prospective student-athletes. Uh, very serious allegations. Um, looking right now, it looks like there were four, four different Level one violations levied against Sanders Vaughn, and one of those also levied against uh, current running backs coach Derek Nix, I believe. So that's definitely something. Although I would note here in 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 the response, Ole Miss does outline that. I think that's one of the biggest disagreements between the the NOA and the response is that Uh they maintain Derek Nix had no part of that. Absolutely, and that's that's important. Uh, to this current staff because I, I think Freeze still making the argument and would like to be able to continue to make the argument that these serious uh, allegations that are against the school, while serious, you know, we're not running away from them, but none of them have willingly taken place under Freeze's uh, tenure. And even even if this level one was to be levied against next, he would probably be fired. But uh, at the same time, it did happen before Freeze was the head coach. So that kind of mitigates that a little bit. Although uh, Ole Miss would definitely like to keep all current coaches out of uh, any serious uh, violations, allegations, I should say, um, of which those ACT certainly are. Let's talk about some of the other allegations. So of the other level ones, uh, one was levied against uh, Cannon Motors for letting Laramie Tunsil use a couple different loaner cars over several months. Um, Another was levied... Well, it looks from looking at what I'm looking at right now, uh, Ole Miss actually received a level two allegation, although for some reason I think it was level one, for failure to monitor uh, Cannon Motors as a booster. And uh, if, if you've been to an Ole Miss football game in the last several years, except for, of course, last season, uh, you'll remember Cannon was quite a large sponsor of uh, Ole Miss football for quite a while there. So I definitely understand where the, where the NCAA is coming from on that charge, although Ole Miss disputes it. Other level ones uh, that happened under Freeze's tenure, Lindsey Miller received $800 in cash from a booster apparently at the Oxford Airport. Kind of weird to me. Um, I thought it was weird that Lindsey Miller was flying to the Oxford Airport at all, or if he wasn't, I thought it was a strange place to agree to meet someone, because if you've ever been to the Oxford Airport, it's not really what you would think of as like a, a bustling hub where it would be a great place to make like a like a secret drop anonymously or something like that. It's a little small, you know, rural airport. That was interesting. Um, we'll, we'll come back around to Lindsey Miller. Another one of the level ones, free lodging he received. Uh, 
I think the NCAA valued it at about $2,200. I believe I read it was something like a month of free stay in a hotel or something like that. Um, or no, 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 sorry, not a month. I'm looking at this wrong. So it was June 2013 through May 2014. I think it was something like they got to stay in a hotel for free, spread out over different times Correct. throughout that year. Yeah. Um, and then also... Looking for more level ones here. Oh, so the last level one that I think we haven't talked about is perhaps the one that's the most ridiculous. Um, from my perspective, this was self-reported by Ole Miss. It's a, a booster named Walter Hughes. Well, I say booster. The NCAA says he's a booster. Ole Miss uh, strongly disagrees with that. This is an Ole Miss fan who has had season tickets in the past, um, but by all accounts um, is very involved in uh, – Memphis high school football players, uh, not just to Ole Miss. He gives these kids rides, takes them on trips to visit campuses uh, where they have been offered or might be looking to get an offer. Basically, this is a this is a father figure type guy for these kids that's legitimately interested um, in them going on and getting the college education wherever it is. Um, by all accounts, he, he told Maurice Harris before he brought these kids to try to get it cleared to make sure it wasn't a violation. Ole Miss and Maurice Harris, they, they thought that they had it all sorted out ahead of time, that, you know, uh, there's, a, there's a clause in the NCAA um, rules that says if you have a pre-existing relationship with a player, that precludes you from being classified as a booster, uh, steering them towards a program. So Ole Miss thought that Walter Hughes had a pre-existing relationship with these players. Um, also should be mentioned, I of the three players, I think that this is uh, – Referencing only one of them ended up coming to Ole Miss. That would be defensive tackle Herbert Moore. Uh, but these 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 weren't kids that you know were being recruited by tons of blue chip programs. These were kids that um, really were just trying to find a way to get a free education. It would seem, um, and, and I think it's kind of ridiculous that the NCAA would rule this a level one violation. I believe, although uh, it's hard to really. With the, with the length of the NOA response, I think somewhere like 150 pages, I'm not going to act like I totally read and understood everything Ole Miss is disputing and agreeing with. But for me, I don't think that, that Ole Miss should uh, necessarily just take that um, as a level one. Uh, it's just ridiculous to me. I think the pre-existing thing definitely applies there. But um, So let's, let's recap, Will. We have how many? We have eight level one violations. Is that right? Um, nine under under freeze. No, nine Eight. violations total under nine, freeze. Seven. Let's count okay. total level one violations. So that's gonna include um, Tunsil's loaner car. Uh-huh. That's gonna the include failure to monitor. Or that's that's a, a level two. two. Tunsil's loaner car. Eight hundred dollars cash to Lindsey Miller. Free lodging oh, okay. for Lindsey Miller. Walter Hughes giving rides. So that's four, and then four with the ACT, ACT. David Saunders stuff. Um, well, or hold on. We're reading off a spreadsheet, so it's hard to... Yeah, four for that. Um, but wasn't there... Uh, my question, uh, Will, is that is that first violation, the loaner car violation, are they including that auto loan that Laramie Tunsil received without a down payment? Because that, I believe, was also one of the level ones. I'm guessing that's all lumped together, I the loaner car all... and the yes. loan. So I think it's important to note Thankfully, that... Thankfully, lumped together. Yeah, thank, thank, I mean, you don't, you're trying to avoid these level twos, but... I mean, there's level ones, excuse me, but I, I guess it's important to note that the only level one violation that actually involved a member of Freeze's staff was that Walter Hughes violation that I was just talking about, 
wherein he tried to call and clear it with them ahead of time. Basically, the NCAA is saying that Ole Miss cooperated with the cheating uh, because they had tried to clear it all in the correct ways beforehand. I mean, it's kind of a muddy definition of knowing about something illegal going on. You know, it's, it's, it's a weird distinction. For us to go through looking at these allegations, especially the ones that I think are big and that are going to stick, we got to keep in mind that Ole Miss is playing ball in two different courts here. Go on. I mean, we've got it with the NCAA. Where we're going to have uh, real penalties, and we're going to have to work uh, and possibly argue at the hearings about these. Mm-hmm. The mm-hmm. other one, which uh, worries me more than that, is the court of public opinion. Sure. Um, and I think that may be, we can debate this, losing a battle, at least currently. Um, I think the Ole Miss PR department has done about as good as you can do in light of all this. But... Um, when it looks, I mean, I think oh, uh, you listen to Freeze's uh, press conference in Destin from today, and when he talks about my staff, you know, uh, there's that intent to cheat. Like, I won't have anyone. I'll lose before I cheat. Um, and I think that's easy to show in those NCAA hearings when you put out, like, hey, we're going to do this. We tried to clear it ahead of time. Mm-hmm. Um, and now that's a violation, even though we were trying to do our due diligence. And that shows, I mean, that doesn't sound, smell, look like cheating, but to the court of public opinion, mm-hmm. uh, especially you saw a lot of the real quick takes that came out on Friday when this was released, mm-hmm. is that, oh, there's that number of level ones, and that's what's going to stick with sure. people, um, and what I'm afraid of more with the court of public opinion is recruiters, parents, things of that nature. Mm-hmm. Sure, uh, sure, sure. And and there's a lot of different, I mean, when we get into the court of public opinion, there are so many different things at play. You know, we've talked in the past about how sometimes what receives the harshest criticism from fans, say, for instance, uh, Jimbo Fisher at FSU defending his players uh, when they commit, you know, a crime, you know, fans might crucify him for that, but it can actually turn into something that recruits and their families, you know, gravitate towards because they're not looking for a coach that's going to necessarily be a strict disciplinarian on their kids. Some are. Probably some parents and families probably you know want structure from their college football, but a lot of a lot of families you know want their kid to make it to the NFL at all costs. So it it gets complicated, I think, when you say that mm-hmm. Ole Miss is going to be hurt with recruits because of what's going on with uh, the court of public opinion. But I have to agree with you that since not just since Friday, but definitely since draft night, Ole Miss has been I wouldn't even say fighting a losing battle in the court of public opinion. They've court of public opinion excuse me they've really just been taking the l um without putting up much of a fight at all and i think that uh ties into what you were saying before about how Ole miss is also trying to win you know in the ncaa playing by their rules and i think that's part of being quiet for so right long exactly I, I think i think Ole miss is going for that exemplary co- cooperation tag um and and maybe they're wrong to remain so quiet quiet throughout all of this process but i do think that they've been told that it's going to it's going to help them when it comes time to negotiate infractions with the ncaa um if they just let the process play out and don't fight back so it's a strange back and forth uh with what you're talking about trying to do the best you can as an ncaa member institution to you know play by their rules and stay quiet but you, you it's hard if you're freeze or, you know, as Ole Miss fans, we obviously understand this. It's hard to just let people 
say these unfounded things about your program and just let it pass. But you were mentioning some of the, the quick takes that came out Friday after this was all released. And I mean, even sports journalists, uh, they have all this information now, but it's it's so convoluted and uh, it's it's there's been so many different things said beforehand and since the release of it that they don't even understand what they're talking mm-hmm. about. I saw a writer on Twitter, uh, when an Ole Miss fan said that he was wrong and there was no evidence of pay-for-play uh, by the Ole Miss staff in the NOA, he cited that Walter Hughes uh, violation and said something like, um, what about $2,000 inducements or whatever? What he was referencing was the cost the NCAA had decided, the value of rides and free lodging that Walter Hughes provided for these kids. He didn't pay them $2,500. That's how much the NCAA decided they should have had to pay him. Right. Like that's such a that's such a BS system. Or it costs thirty three dollars to, to say to Chris stay Kiffin's at house. Yeah, right. Chris Kiffin's house. It's it's a, it's such a BS system because these are things that no one ever pays for. Like the Canon loaner car situation. People in Oxford, since this entire investigation got kicked off with the loaner cars, since Larry Tunsil was suspended for seven games last year, I've heard numerous stories of people saying, Oh yeah, Canon is always doing that. You know, I took my car in for repairs and turns out they couldn't get a part and I had a loaner car for two months, you know? Mm-hmm. But I don't I'm not an NCAA student athlete, so that doesn't ruin my eligibility. Right. You know, think, it, it's so many double standards. Career, I could have there's so oh, many sure. things that were violations to me and yet oh, sure. through so much of my schooling I was paid by the university for right. different things. Oh exactly. Except I, mean, I could have never been I, I think it's a safe to say athlete. we both we both received scholarships that were probably um, comparable to the ones that the student athletes receive, mm-hmm. but the difference is I had to do far less in order to keep mine. You Way know? less. I wasn't required to show up in the weight room at 5 a.m. You know, three times a week. I wasn't required to go to practice three times a week. I wasn't required to go to tutoring. I didn't have people come into class to check the role to make sure I was. And anybody in there. could buy us drinks. Right, exactly. And I could, and I could, I could, I could have whatever jobs I want, and I was still getting paid by the university. So it's not totally clear. You know where all these holier than thou college football mm-hmm. fans want to draw the line, except that we know they want to label Ole Miss and Hugh Freeze as cheaters because they don't want to believe that you know they we could achieve what's been achieved the last two years, which isn't even isn't even that impressive. I mean, a Sugar Bowl win, a Peach Bowl blowout loss, beating Alabama twice in a row. I mean, those are accomplishments, but it's not like we won a national championship. It's not like Cam Newton and Auburn happened last season. You know what? What kills me with so many. And I, it seems like, by and far, the norm among college football fans that everyone has this, uh, their mind's in a certain stasis that college football can't, there can't be any new winners in college football. Sure. Which seems ridiculous, because the majority of fans out there are not, their programs aren't winning. Absolutely not. I mean, yeah. that's just the odds, but they don't, someone who wins all the time could never cheat, but someone that begins to win would have to cheat. Right, exactly. Uh, exactly, and that kind of takes me to my next point. So you were talking earlier about some of Freeze's comments today. Um, he, he had this quote, uh, which to me sounded a little whiny. I think he said, um, let me pull it up here. I want to, I want to quote it. I want to quote it directly. Um, while you're looking that up, I guess what kind of fascinated me, we talk about the real blowback on Friday was that there were an amazing amount of detail in this response. Sure. That um, I think there created some, funny, some, some really funny. They created stuff. some the video. Was funny. That was that's pretty. Hilarious. There was some funny stuff on I mean, Hugh Freeze invited players out to his house for breakfast. People were like, mm-hmm. "Oh, you but, asshole!" Right? You to be cheater. so nice, that's that's bad. You can't. 
break well, bread with your. You know, you know, it it sounds silly that we would make a big deal out of it, but then you think back to uh, what happened to Bruce Pearl at Tennessee. Why did he get fired? It was because he had a barbecue for recruits at his house. Really, mm-hmm. not that different. Now so, he, he lied about the barbecue. Sure, I guess we sure. Have to keep that. And that is that is an important distinction with the NCAA that for, kind of further reinforces the the BS nature of the institution. Is they they think it's it's only fit to punish you, you know, thrice as hard if you if you if you happen to lie to them. And Ole Miss ran into some of that with Laramie Tunsil. Um, he was deceptive towards the NCAA when first questioned uh, back after the August incident and. A lot of people say that's what led to the seven-game suspension lasting as long as it did and all the holdups and all that. Um, but let's see. I found this Hugh Freeze quote. So today, uh, Hugh Freeze is in Destin for SEC meetings, and he said, We've rocked the narrative of college football a little bit, and there's obviously some people who don't like that. Ole Miss head coach Hugh Freeze. So, it is know, whiny. Some people. It, it is. It uh, is. Uh, it is whiny. And there's a couple different ways to take this, these quotes. You know, if Freeze is simply responding to the haters in the media and the other fan bases, that's fine. I think that's fine. You know, it probably is true that Ole Miss is, is getting a lot of this negativity from teams it has beaten in the last two seasons um, or just from fan bases like Georgia, for instance, that are mad at something else, like mad that Laramie Tunsil didn't go to their school. Um, stuff like that. I, I totally agree. But the idea that Ole Miss um, is getting punished by the NCAA because schools like Alabama and Georgia um, are turning them in, to me, that's a little bit ridiculous. I think that's too far. You know, One, th- to me, Alabama that's... is not turning us in. No, because I, the thing about Alabama that a lot of people refuse to believe <laughs> is that they play the game better than anyone. That's why they're so good. Uh, that's why that they they land all these recruits year after year, despite the uh, unfriendly depth chart at their position. Um, but this isn't about pointing fingers at other programs that that might break NCAA rules. I really don't care about that, and that's why to me that quote from Freeze is a little whiny. Mm-hmm. I I think if if you're going to turn your program into a power, and uh, you can argue that Ole Miss was at one time, but that was you know decades ago, and it was pretty integration and all of that. So I think we shouldn't act like return right, to power. I think, you've got to I think we should say you have to. You ha- sure, and I think that you're gonna have to do it despite you know negativity mm-hmm. from a lot of look at look at what Clemson did uh, to make it to the national championship this last year. They weren't a traditional power. They basically copied the Alabama model. They have Dabo Swinney, a former Alabama coach, um, who knows you know how to build an SEC program, and I think that's what Hugh Freeze has been doing the last four seasons. Um, and I, I just don't think you're going to get anywhere in college football by whining about being persecuted. I think you just have to take what comes, uh, if it's from the NCAA or from other fan bases or whatever, uh, hope your program can withstand it, and then try to win on the field. Because that's, you know, that's the only way you're going mm-hmm. to make way. You have to expect that criticism. And you've got to be prepared to deal with sure. it. Which part of that is running a clean, as clean a program as possible? Mm-hmm. Um, running a... Running a um, like, I would say a, a program with the appearance of cleanliness, but a program that cannot be connected to its wrongdoings, I guess you could say. Because that's how, that's how... That's how college football works. That's how successful programs function is there is no traceable connection between the payment side and the coaching mm-hmm. side. And I think Ole Miss has that system in place, and that's why you don't see any scandalous pay-for-play allegations in this NOA, and you know, so we should probably mention um, a huge part of the story that a lot of people are reporting on. Um, although to me, it 
you know, I've, I've said the last few weeks that I have information um, that the Laramie Tunsil text messages uh, will be proven uh, by Ole Miss to not um, point to anything untoward or anything uh, that the Ole Miss coaches did that was against the rules. But um, the investigation is open into that. Uh, Ole Miss reported in the cover letter of this, in a way, response that um, they have asked that this case be removed from the Committee on Infractions docket pending that investigation, which from the outside, you know, easy to say, okay, so this NOA maybe isn't too damning. Although, as I've already mentioned, I think all these level one violations is, I mean, they pretty much made it as, pretty much made it as damning as possible given the, in my opinion, lack of shocking information uh, that came to light to the investigation. But they, they came down pretty hard. But a lot of people are saying, you know, just the beginning, Laramie Tunsil texts have yet to be added. And then, you know, if you want to go further into the tinfoil uh, rabbit hole, you might hear from state fans on Elite Dogs or, you know, sites like that. that or from Steve Robertson, perhaps. Not, not a fan, but someone who's paid to cover college football, allegedly. Uh, you might hear that the true allegations are coming in the second notice of allegations, which... If you know anything about how the NCAA works, you would know that they don't actually operate like that. If you look back just a few months to the case at North Carolina, um, some new information came to light during the 90-day response period, and the NCAA closed the original NOA, amended it, and then started a new 90-day response window. That's what would happen if the NCAA was, in fact, investigating uh, new violations. Um Basically, that's why this isn't going to be ruled, because if the NCAA finds anything on Tunsil, they're going to add it to this, and that's what Ole Miss wants. Ole Miss doesn't want this to be a second investigation, no. because we're, then... We're almost investigating an invest... The NCAA is investigating... The investigation. Making an investigation. Sure. And, whether or and, not to bring this to a close or keep it going. But the, the my point is, it would never be a second investigation. The NCAA is deciding, do, do we close the NOA as it is, meaning... There's nothing to add from the Laramie Tunsil, John Miller text. We investigated them, and it was all above board. Or do we add this to the current NOA, reopen the 90 days, the clock starts over, all of that. Those are the two options. The option that this goes to the punishment phase, and then the NCAA starts a second investigation with the intent to nail Ole Miss as a repeat offender, that isn't how the NCAA works. That, mm. that doesn't really work that way. That's kind of a, a fantasy from the state fans. Um, they would but, much rather do this all as one whole sure. piece. Absolutely, and, and that's how we'll miss. miss, and the SEC would rather yeah. them do it as well. Um, but I, I guess I guess to me, the fact that Ole Miss has asked the NCAA to delay ruling until after the Tunsil text, a lot of people will tell you that's a sign that the investigation is far from over and Ole Miss is still going to get hammered. But to me, that's more they know the NCAA is going to be satisfied with mm -hmm. what they find and they want to make everything as above ground as possible. Right. They don't want there to be yeah. any question, any reason to reopen the investigation um, once it's moved to the Committee on Infractions. So it it's kind of um, counterintuitive that I would say Ole Miss is doing its best to expedite the investigation by delaying it, but I do think that's what hap what's happening. I think Ole Miss seize the opportunity to wrap up everything as soon as possible. And the only way they think they can do that is by making sure the NCAA is satisfied with the draft night Tunsil Tech stuff before they go in front of the Committee on Infractions. So let's talk punishments. Ole Miss is proposing 11 scholarships over four years um, with 
Sorry, how many? Okay, no, 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 sorry, sorry, sorry. Ole Miss is proposing 16 scholarships over. So, so it's confusing because six are being counted back. I have it right here. Um, so it was 11 over four was what everyone right. was reporting, right? Mm -hmm. And then you count back. You count back two of those? I don't, I'm sorry, folks. I don't have this in front of me. But 11 over four is the number of people have been going. Right. So basically it would be you count uh, two back that Ole Miss has already withheld. I thought it was more than that, too. We're kind of floundering here. But Ole Miss is basically attempting to uh, – to negotiate down to nine scholarships over the next From three 11. years. Right. Right. With none this immediate. Um, no, I think... Or that would start this I fall. think it would still... Because Ole Miss has been holding scholarships back mm -hmm. these last couple of classes. Of I mean, that, yeah, so we already... Like, we gave up one this... I'm looking at this year. Right. Had no initial. Right. And some other stuff, too. Ole Miss has reduced evaluation days. They had no... Un, they had no unofficial visits mm -hmm. in the month of February or But the March. ultimate offer is nine over three. I think the ultimate offer that Ole Miss is suggesting is nine yet to be suspended. Yeah, so far. And the rest would be None counted future. back. Right, also some vacated wins, I think. But no TV ban, no postseason ban, no show calls for Ole Miss coaches. Um, we haven't talked about it, but, I mean, obviously David Saunders already received a 10-year show clause, but and it seems that Chris somebody Vaughn... Somebody in Texas, yeah, post-Texas, may be getting one. No, I'm about to say, I think Chris Vaughn, who was coaching at Texas... Um, he will um, almost certainly be receiving a show calls as well. There was some pretty bad stuff in there concerning him tampering with uh, ongoing NCAA viol uh, investigation, stuff like that. I mean, it's hard for me to believe that Ole Miss is going to get hammered for the actions of Saunders and Vaughn when other programs went on to hire them after Ole Miss had fired them for mm -hmm. this. I, mean, I think that's you really got to look at how what are you going to hammer uh, Ole Miss exactly. I think Lafayette's a fine comparison. Um, something to note there is that they actually did have uh, fairly scandalous pay-for-play violations in there in a way where David Saunders actually did pay players as a coach of their school, which is something that Ole Miss does not have, but I think maybe you could balance that against the Tunzel stuff and at the end of the day say hard to imagine Ole Miss getting hit much harder than ULL did. Um, I think ULL scholarships were somewhere in the same range that Ole Miss is suggesting they be penalized with. Um, I honestly don't know where this is headed. There's a there's people that'll tell you every different side of it. There's a lot of people oh, saying I've been, that I've been on elite dogs. I've seen the worst that can sure come. And, and and Paul Feibaum's trolling and uh, I mean there are people saying that the committee on infractions is going to hammer Ole Miss and then on the other side there are people on the Ole Miss side that are saying that Ole Miss you know devised this punishment um in concert with the NCAA and that the NCAA is inclined to accept these punishments because they also have an interest in getting this investigation wrapped up as soon as possible. So really don't know what's going to happen. Mm -hmm. I expect it to go in front of the committee on infractions probably sometime early fall. Um, this summer would have been a possibility, but as I mentioned, that they specifically requested to remove it from the summer docket uh, as the, the Tunsil investigation is pending. My question really is, I, I don't know what's going to happen. Like Once the NCAA has satisfied their 
investigation into the Tunzel draft night text messages. I don't know if Ole Miss is going to release something, if the NCAA is going to release something. Like, I'm just not sure how we're going to know. I'm not sure how we're going to know that Ole Miss is ready to go in front of the committee now. I, I, I mean, I guess if the NCAA, if the NOA is amended and some damning, you know, John Miller, Payne, Laramie Tunzel stuff is added, that would be a good indication. But since that's Short not, that, I don't not think what I expect, find out right? That's that not much. what I expect to happen. So maybe we won't hear anything about it until Ole Miss gets placed on the COI docket. I don't know. We're gonna find out. And earlier, I mean, I did mention how detailed this was, mm-hmm. and it's very intriguing and an interesting mm-hmm. read uh, for any college football fans out there. But as far as something for us to really predict going forward, I didn't think we gained much at all. I mean, well, as an Ole Miss bit, fan, the big takeaway is. We were expecting pretty much all of this, you know, Mm -hmm. specifics. We knew about what had happened in pretty much all of these cases. We knew Lindsey Miller probably had some dirt on Ole Miss. We knew Cannon Motors had broken some rules with loaner cars, and we found out about the auto loan, but it makes sense. That's that's not an uncommon um, inducement for for college athletes. I mean, if you you follow Sports Mississippi, you'll remember uh, Will Redmond was suspended for Mm -hmm. a season and a half. Um, and a, a Mississippi State coach was fired and a booster disassociated um, for a, a similar um, inducement wherein he received a preferential interest rate on an auto loan. Um, like I said, we knew about a lot of this stuff. To me, the big takeaway is really slapping level one just on everything here. Just mm-hmm. it seems like they're, they're given that. Those actual yeah, they're giving out those level one those level ones uh pretty freely in this uh in a way which I thought was interesting. Um I think Ole Miss Ole Miss is proposing a very favorable outcome for Ole Miss. I don't know if uh, that's show because me, show me the dotted line I will right. sign Oh absolutely I, I don't know if, if that's because Ole Miss feels that it's likely that's going to be the outcome, or if Ole Miss is trying to save face and keep the fans happy a little bit longer. I don't is... believe, with as long as this investigation goes, and how much you are cooperating with the NCAA, that, that you no, come in right. and lowball them. I would. I agree. Offer. I think that's, that's not. A, I think that's a great point. The with the level of deference that we've seen Ole Miss have towards the NCAA throughout this whole process, it would be hard for me to believe that. Well, basically, the NCAA is telling Ole Miss, hey, we want 20 scholarships. And Ole Miss is saying, well, we're going to ask for 11 in our, in our way. That doesn't seem likely. No, it's um, purposeless in this process. I, 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 To me, it's more believable that Ole Miss is fighting over the NCAA between the difference in 9 and 11 or 11 and 13 or something like that. But we're going to find out. I, I do think that there's a possibility of, uh, if you're an Ole Miss fan and the NCAA was a screw, screw Ole Miss, it's, it's not a chicken little situation because I do think Ole Miss might have some legitimate beast with the NCAA and the way this case has gone down. There's been some some strangeness for sure. There seems to be some uh, some leaking of information perhaps coming out of the NCAA. I mean, basically, if Ole Miss was to get screwed by the NCAA on this, um, that multi-million dollar law firm that Ole Miss has been paying for the last year, uh, they would enter their second stage of working for Ole Miss, which is let's find everything we think the NCAA might have done wrong here and we're going to file a lawsuit and we're going to make the NCAA spend a ton of money on lawyers and defend everything they do in the court of public opinion. Um, that would be Ole Miss's recourse. But I think they're trying to basically be subservient enough that you know they can weasel their way into the NCAA's good graces. Uh, uh, I think that goes a little bit. Uh, we talk about being subservient. I mean, both sides to an extent. Um, the NCAA doesn't want to destroy 
any large A member programs. institution, sure. Yeah, a member the institution. the SEC has been fighting on behalf of Ole Miss Absolutely. the entire time, um, which is important. But they do, I think, more and more lately have to feel the need to justify, state their relevance, justify yeah, their existence. Absolutely. Yeah, I think that's um, fair. And, you know, a process like this, that's they got to have something to show after three years, but I don't expect them to try and destroy us for the next five years. I agree, and I think it's also important to note when you say you got to have something to show after three years, the NCAA investigative side and the NCAA enforcement side are two different and unrelated arms. It's basically like um, divided government or something. There's checks mm-hmm. and balances. Basically, an investigator can have a hard on for your school and spend three years you know, in town trying to dig up all the dirt, but then they're going to have to turn their findings over to a different group of people. That would be the Committee on Infractions. And that's who gets to decide how, mm-hmm. how hard Ole Miss gets hammered. So even even if you know Ole Miss does have some sort of a grudge on the on the on the part of the investigators that have been in auction for three years trying to figure out what happened with that 2013 class, it doesn't necessarily mean that um, it's still not going to be a favorable mm-hmm. outcome for Ole Miss. It's it's a lot of politics. It's a lot of you know huge bureaucracy stuff going on. Um, but we'll see. I mean, like I said, I think if this goes bad for Ole Miss, we might. Um, here's some complaints that Ole Miss has about the NCAA, but for now they're definitely trying to build that exemplary cooperation role because I think they see that as the most expedient and likely the safest route Mm -hmm. to make sure the program is okay long term. Well, in any investigation, you're going to have to agree on a lot of these facts. And the real battle is going to be at the hearings when we're really discussing these, uh, what, you know, actual sanctions are going to go into place. That's going to be your true debate. Is even though it's a level one, you still have a gradient here. You have to look at how uh, egregious that is, or if it's something minor. Uh, I mean, mm-hmm. there's still a big difference between a level one where it's obvious, pay for play, sure, and then well, a loaner and, call. and so that's what yeah. so freeze. You know, you're talking about his comments today, and Destin, I, he is he is clinging to, and I think rightfully so, the distinction of. Did we violate rules? Yes. Did we knowingly violate rules? No. You know, some of these things, the recruiting video where the kids are wearing uniforms or the breakfast at Freeze's house or the Walter Hughes, Maurice Harris miscommunication perhaps on who should be bring what to what. He's he's maintaining that those were honest mistakes. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that it's believable. You know, there there are media members that are saying that's ridiculous, but to me there's nothing in it that is that just screams, you know, we did this because we, we knew this was a break in a rule, but we did it to get a kid. And, and secondly, nothing in this in a way about Ole Miss recruiting Laramie Tunsil. I mean, you can talk about the $800 from the booster or the free hotels or whatever, but still, at the end of the day, that's a road booster. That's treated differently um, than a staff member, you know, engaging in mm-hmm. illegal recruitment of a player. See... Miranda at State that I just referenced, a Will Redmond, that's different. Um, nothing about that. Nothing about Treadwell. Nothing about Kandichi. Um, there's no Bo Scarborough in here. That's something that you hear from State fans that Ole Miss is going to get punished mm-hmm. for the recruitment of Bo Scarborough who ended up at Alabama. Um, the, they, they aren't the things we've been told Ole Miss does. We're not, they're not the things we've been told Ole Miss is going to get caught doing. Um, I think that goes back to our quote talking about rocking the college mm-hmm. football narrative. I don't think all of this is because we've won the past few years. That's part of it. It's more the initial signing class. 2013 mm-hmm. signing class was what all this stems from. But reading the NOA response, you realize 
There's no substance there. And that was at least refreshing from my perspective. But one further thing I wanted to mention on when we talk about breaking the NCAA rules and cheating, uh, what bothers me is the media, uh, fans alike, I mean, they take, we call them rules, regulations. These aren't laws. This is the NCAA what they come up with. Right. And because you bre- you text a kid uh, one week later than you're supposed to, you're all of a sudden cheating and destroying the game. Right. Ruining. I mean, that's just a serious disconnect. The, the sanctity of college football. I mean, no, it's it's ridiculous. I mean, this is an this is a, a man-made institution that thinks it has figured out how to run college football. But we all know this isn't the end evolution of that. There was a time before the NCAA. There'll be a time after the NCAA, Probably and there'll true. still this, be football. Is this a good time, Will, for us to transition? Can to I your, go? Uh, yeah, so I think Will has something on his mind. I haven't heard this, so I'm interested. Go ahead. It's bubbling up. I've been hitting at go it, ahead. but I have, I have a dream, not a pipe dream, that the SEC can, especially at this juncture, critical juncture for Ole Miss fans, can essentially destroy the NCAA. Da-da-da! Um, break apart... Forget the NCAA. Tell them we're tired of their rules. Tired of their taking our money. That you can actually... Why, why not? Go ahead and have our own conference. Hey, let's unionize. Play by our own rules. Unionize. The whole idea, we're all member institutions. We all came together somehow and made the NCAA and now have no control over it. That's true. But I believe... I think the narrative mainly that is switching that could cause this to happen is that people are finally recognizing that... Men over the age of 18 should be paid for the effort they make in college. I got paid for the effort I made for my college. It wasn't on a football field, and it did not get near the amount of money for our college that football players did. And yet, I was able to reap rewards from my work, and they're not. And I think there's a big consensus building across the country that that there has to be some kind of change. and it would be my hope that Ole Miss and the SEC could lead that and eventually get away from the NCAA. Um, and if you've got arguments against that, I think there's plenty of valid ones. But those aren't about the sanctity of the game. Those are about what happens to lesser conferences. What happens mm-hmm. to non-football sports at schools. Mm-hmm. Uh, those are real legitimate arguments that will have to get hashed out, but can be done. I mean, football players got play- paid to play before the NCAA. Not all of them, but plenty of them did. Let me let you in on a secret. Plenty of them are now still getting paid. And afterwards, hopefully they can all be paid, but it'll be open and fair. And that seems better than me than what we have now, what we had previously. You mean just the old Miss players, right? Only, yeah, we can pay Only the old Miss players. Yeah, yeah. I mean, most most schools, um, you know, kids choose that school because they've always been a fan. And they, they want the early playing time. They love the coach. I mean, that's pretty much the only thing that recruiting involves generally. Um, I forgot what I was going to say. Well, that would be nice, though. I totally agree. I think it's funny that, uh, you know, you get a lot of people that basically if you caught them on the right day, they would totally agree with you that it's ridiculous that, the you know, they're basically indentured servants, you know, fighting for a chance at the NFL. That's kind of what a college ball player is, you know. 
they they get a free education, but I, I kind of want to say at what cost, you know? I, I, because, would, I would definitely say that because it's it's free and that they didn't have to pay out of pocket to go to class. But as we've discussed a couple a couple different times you know. on this show, you know, we didn't have to pay to go to out of pocket to go to class, and uh, you know, I I just I question if that really is the if that value really lines up with what they have to sacrifice. I mean, you're sacrificing your college experience, you're sacrificing your body, you know, you're putting yourself at risk for lifelong injuries or even potentially death. Yeah. It's it's rare, but it happens, you know, every Ole Miss fan knows who Chucky Mullins is. They they know about that story and, you know, what he went through because he was a football player and got injured on the field, paralyzed and eventually died. Um we ask a lot of these kids, I guess I'm saying, and they get a lot of benefits. You know, they they get to be celebrities in a college town. They get attention, and I'm sure they get free drinks, and they go out. They they you know they get invited to all the best parties. They get girls, all that stuff. But at the end of the day, you know, as a college football fan, as a supporter of an institution of higher learning, are you really okay with you know the balance that we've struck as fans, wherein the coach makes five million dollars a year? Um, the athletic director makes 800000 You know, all the employees get paid, and uh, we put the rest into our facilities. We put the and, rest... And hopefully some of the football players graduate. Exactly, yeah. Are, are we really happy with the balance that we've struck there? I, for one, I know that I'm not. I, I know I would feel better um, about the product that my team put on the field if I thought the kids had more employee rights, basically. You know, I... I think college football players should be able to unionize just like NFL players or professional athletes in any sport um, to protect themselves and their rights and, and make sure that, you know, not just that they're being justly compensated, but that they're not able to be taken advantage of in other ways, you know, because they're, they're sacrificing a lot, I guess, for a narrow reward. What, what the, hurts me a system. lot when, uh, I, when we have these debates – sometimes arguments, uh, about this issue. What hurts me more is hearing fans, uh, there's just such a sense of entitlement to a fan that they don't think, I don't know, this student deserves so many, uh, so they, they just don't see these student athletes as deserving, even though, I mean, they get just the joy, the play, all these things sure, that sure. fans get that they expect. Absolutely. Um, you, you know, and I, I think of, this is a little stretch, um, of a metaphor, but Missouri's football team last mm -hmm. year, yeah, uh, when they decided not to play, uh, which I I think was for a very valid reason, regardless of whether or not you agree, that is that's an amazing uh, source of I think that's empowerment to college football players when Absolutely. they realized how much they mattered to people in that institution mm -hmm. and that they could use that power. Well, and really, I mean, say what you will, but if you if you actually study American history and the things that kind of are essential to the identity of the American populace. I mean, unionizing and strikes and things of that nature. I mean, there's nothing more American than unionizing to protect yourself and your coworkers against the overreach of your capitalist bosses, you know? Because that's what capitalism is, is a balance between... Right, the, but if a, if a college football player stands up to talk about his rights or what he thinks he deserves, all of a sudden he is just vilified by fans as being greedy... So, like you, absolutely. Sorry, if you don't give out your body for my sole enjoyment right, right. and nothing else, right? <sighs> and you hear, I mean, you just hear uh, people saying, you know, you're entitled, you're lazy, and the free education's not enough, and blah blah blah. But 
how would they react if if every public school in America tried to place the same kind of restrictions on the student body, the student body, student bodies mm-hmm. at large? You know, instead, like, oh, hey, you join the newspaper not, staff. Guess what? What if, what if, what if, say for instance, and this is a poor example, but people know that Bernie Sanders wanted he advocated for free college, right? So say, say college became free, but in exchange, no one was allowed to have a job while in college. Do you think people would be okay with that? Absolutely not. Mm-hmm. They would think that's ridiculous. Mm-hmm. They would think schools are trying to control people's lives. Mm-hmm. Um, but when it's football players and it's the team they support, you know, it, it kind of colors their perception and changes the whole issue for them. And, and I would also say that um, I think we were working up to this a second ago. I'm not sure I ever got there. You know, you hear people that would agree with us and all these arguments, and it seems like a common sense argument. But then. You know, say that they, they're a rival SEC fan or they're a Florida State fan or something like that, and they're still mad at Ole Miss for something that some perceived slight on behalf of Freeze or some recruiting law, something like that. And I think that they're, they're going to throw that common sense and, and decency out the window and say, mm-hmm. you know, your school cheats, you're a cheater, you should be disqualified, my school should win. And it's kind of a sad commentary, I think, on, you know, how far we let these rivalries and um you know competitions color our worldview when we care less about doing the right thing and more about gaining a competitive advantage for our team over teams that we don't like it's kind of silly and you know i don't think any rival fans are listening to this i think probably everyone hearing my voice right now is in agreement with us um especially from the Ole Miss perspective but i i i'm gonna insist that i would feel the same way even if, you know, say, we turned the tables and Ole Miss was in no immediate NCAA uh, danger, Mississippi State was the one being accused of all these level ones, blah, blah, blah. I mean, if you want to complain about the ACT thing, I think you, there's there's some merit there. That was pretty intense, organized cheating on behalf of Houston Nutt under the uh, employee of Pete Boone, current or the Ole Miss alleged director at the time, I should say. But these, these whole pay-for-play accusations and Ole Miss is so dirty and so much worse than any other school and uh, to me that's just petty that's just people that are refusing. I don't know who that expects either that there's one team that is just the epitome of cheating and evil well because I, that's that, that and that flies, everyone else's hands are clean like I realize how dirty everyone's hands are sure and what I just to see an outlier it baffles me that people can believe that there's just one <sighs> no I agree and it flies in the face of common sense which says if there was one program that cheated when all the others were clean they would do pretty well in the week before signing day right but look at old Miss's results the last three years in the final down the stretch Almost all of their blue chip recruits committed before, you know, weeks before signing day, and then they had to fight. If anything, it's what we lose exactly. right up to it. So I just want to hear from state fans. If Ole Miss cheats and your, your program is dirty, why did Jeffrey Simmons choose to go to state on national signing day? Bama fans, Shaheem Carter, why is he at Bama and not at Ole Miss? Who Ole Miss career really hard Tennessee fans. Uh, my question would pertain to Jonathan Kongba. Um, and we can go on and on and play that game over and over. Um, I'm not trying to say that Ole Miss is a clean program or the cleanest program or anything like that. I'm just trying to give you a little perspective. If Ole Miss was this rampant cheater, I don't know how we do how so badly, peeling so away badly down the stretch. I mean, what happened to Leo Lewis? How did he end up at State with LSU as the second after being an Ole Miss commit if we're the only ones paying? I don't know. 
Why does why does state have to turn in all the other SEC programs if they're getting uh, these crews? You mean Snitch University? So I mean, we won't get into that. Uh, we'll address yeah. that on a later show. <laughs> we talked about Snitch U before, but I mean, a lot of people that uh, uh, purport to be in the know will tell you that state Mississippi State has kind of burned some bridges between Starkville and Hoover in the last few months. Um, I mean, a lot of there's a lot of chatter that the reason Bo Davis had to leave Alabama was. Because uh, Mississippi State turned him in for illegally visiting Jeffrey Simmons the night before signing day. And that's not the only thing um, that, that people are saying Mississippi State is going against the SEC's will on, um, trying to turn other programs in and target them. We're in this together. State, we're trying to destroy the NCAA. Exactly. The and, SC- join us. And so that's that's kind of that's kind of my argument when uh, people talk about how the big boys of college football are turning Ole Miss in. That's really not how it works. You know, there's, there's kind of an honor among thieves when it comes to NCAA cheating, wherein programs like Alabama – uh, Tennessee, FSU, Ole Miss, LSU, we kind of tend not to turn each other in because you don't want to get in a mudslinging fight, you know, in the middle of a not in, these in the parts. middle of a mud pit, right? Um, but Mississippi State, you know, they're so desperate to avoid getting beaten by freeze for what well, this would be the third season in a row, four out of five. Mm-hmm. Um, they don't really care anymore. They're just trying to bring down uh, what they fear, which is the the growing program in Oxford. So. I think we did a good job of, you know, covering every angle of this NOA response. I know John's going to have some stuff to add when we talk to him next time. I, I believe he told me uh, the only take he was holding in by missing this week's show was that uh, Lindsey Miller um, kind of screwed us. But I think we talked about that a little bit and made reference to... Not uh, a hot take. It is no. funny, though. It yeah. is it is funny that it, without Lindsey Miller tattletailing on Ole Miss, the we NCAA would. wouldn't have anything except for self-reported violations and the stuff from David Saunders. And the David Saunders stuff, Ole Miss turned themselves in for that, too. People don't really seem to understand that this four-year investigation, blah, 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 David Saunders was fired because Ole Miss found out about this. Can I say one last Go ahead. NCAA thing before we move on? Go ahead. The whole, their role, the reason they have this investigation, the penalties, is to fix this and keep it from happening. So when you cooperate with them, when you turn in old things, get rid of old people, that bodes well. I mean, that's what right. this process is about. And that's another thing is where the people tell you or it seem to set up that the NCAA is trying to screw Ole Miss. The NCAA is going to really kill Ole Miss for this. No, the NCAA is working in concert with Ole Miss to root out cheating. That's how it's designed to work. Is that's that's why you get a notice of allegations. That's why you get all of the the uh, the the notification that investigation is going on because you're required as a member institution to assist the NCAA in trying to root out the bad apples associated with your program. It's a it's a cooperative effort. Um, and, and if and you I really at, think it's going to be okay in the end, fans, I think so too. That's I'd take that away too. If you look at the NCAA's track record the last five or ten years, they've really moved away from punishing institutions and moved towards punishing individuals. I mean, look at what they did to Penn State. And you know, John made this comment to me when I said I was disappointed the NCAA reversed their punishments against Penn State. You know, I think it's disgusting what happened there with Joe Paterno knowing about Sandusky going all the way back to 1976 and all that. Um, very upsetting to me, but John made the point, you know, I'm no better than an opposing fan asking for Ole Miss to get punished for the actions of David Saunders and Houston Nutt. Um, you, you know, the current Penn State players, the current administration and, and coaches, they weren't involved in those punishments. The NCAA really doesn't retroactively punish programs anymore. They go after the individuals. We see David Saunders' 10-year show clause. 
We see Chris Vaughn's coming show clause, and that's what's going to come out of this investigation. It's not going to be a death penalty towards Ole Miss. It's going to be let's make sure that these known cheaters aren't able to cheat again, which is, mm-hmm. I think, what you're saying. And I think NCAA and Ole Miss are working together um, to that end. We'll have lots more to talk about on that topic. I mean, we've been talking about the investigation for probably a year now, probably talking about it for another six months or a year, depending on you know where it goes from here. So, in a way, response is a big step for Ole Miss. Uh, opportunity to get their story out there, and it's out there now, and you know, wheels have been set in motion. We'll see what goes on with the uh, the Tunzel text investigations, as uh, as we mentioned. Not really sure what the next step for that's going to be. Um, but as soon as we know, you'll know. So keep tuning in and you'll hear this. Let's move on. We're going to talk briefly. We've already spent a uh, better part of an hour here on what we all agree was the most... Everything in- that y'all already yeah. knew. Well, what, what we all agree was the most interesting uh, topic of conversation for the week. I'm sure all you people out there saw Ole Miss's 3-1 performance at the SEC tournament. I mean, big takeaway, the bats are getting hot at the right time, it seems, uh, for Ole Miss. The, the reason Ole Miss went home... Um, was a blown save from their best player. Why it's short, you know? Well, you, Which, you can, it you was don't compounded. Right, right, exactly. That's the big reason. And it was compounded by, happen, by poor yeah. umpiring um, earlier in the game, some some weird calls. And, I mean, no one's going to tell you that SEC umps are good. Nope. You know, no one really believes that. Um, Ole Miss ends up losing on Saturday, as I mentioned, 12-8 to Texas A&M. Led most of the game. Um, but, really, I, I don't care. I don't care the outcome of the SEC tournament as long as the bats can stay hot. Mm-hmm. Um, I think if anything, um, you know, I, I, we got a regional I thought we were going to regardless of really how we did in the tournament. I agree. If it had gotten us to a super regional, it would have been awesome. But I think the best thing was this team kept playing more. Uh, it got really the, was got coming together. I mean, got, the bats. Confidence is up uh, offensively. And I think also, you know, a little chip on the shoulder from the national seed stub. Uh, um Yes, yeah, snub, snub. Excuse me, yeah. not stub. The national seed snub. Um, we haven't mentioned it. LSU gets the eighth national seed despite um, Ole Miss holding a two to one head to head record against them this series, this season, uh, plus an advantage in pretty much every other metric. I mean, besides the fact that they have LSU on the jerseys, which I think did play a part, my guess would be. Um, that Louisville series win was just too long ago. I think the committee probably discounts it because it was so early so in the season. Um, yeah, I mean, at for at a time that was the best series win in the country, but um, you know, it just doesn't it doesn't well, it hold kills up. Me, seems, the entire season. And everyone talks about it is how hot you get towards the end. That almost throughout consistency, and the reason you say we weren't hot at the end, we were hot. We've been hot the whole year, guys. And you play, I forget what the uh, statistic is, but you start with that statistic that LSU is 14-2. And, uh, and I forget, we're like 13-3. and three. You can go back, once you go back uh, 20 games, we're the hotter team at the end. It's all, when, when do you say the end is happening? Sure, 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 uh, sure. But I'm not, I mean, Super Regional would be awesome. I'm not ex- upset. We're going to see yeah, baseball this weekend. Yeah, no, I, I don't care. Weekend. We're going to be, Will and I, uh, heading up to Oxford this weekend. going to take in some regional uh, games, Doing our regional games, anti, ra- anti-rain dances. Yeah, right we were now. talking about it before the show. Weather not looking great right now. We'll see. I mean, we know how those state grads can be with their uh, poor predictions. So, um, oh right, right. Yeah, that more was a, people. More that was people a good. Seem, that was a good uh, meteorology burn. If I you like weren't, that. if you weren't following me, the there. double state meteorology pun. Uh huh. Yeah. Um, but I think people are more upset, and I guess rightly so, uh-huh. with 
the draw we got as opposed to just getting a not a, a right, so Ole Miss is seat. Ole Miss is matched up with national seed number three Miami for the Super Regional. It's going to be really tough, you know, if you're an Ole Miss fan hoping for an upset in that Miami Regional, get the Super uh, in Oxford. Um, if Ole Miss was to win their regional, but honestly, at this, I can't complain. Yeah, at this point, you're you're being silly if you're worried about your super regional matchup. You got to win. <laughs> you got to win three games in your regional before you can worry about that. So, on Ole Miss's agenda, you got Utah at first on Friday. Pretty bad record shouldn't be a problem for Ole Miss. I I think they're like 25 and 27. Don't even have a winning record, but. The non-SEC, ACC representation in the tournament this year is so poor. John and I have talked about this several weeks now. Um, I, I think they were just desperate to get some uh, some Pac-12 uh, and, and Big 12 members involved. Um, so that shouldn't be a problem. I'm not expecting that game to be a problem. Friday at 7, I believe. And then... Uh, With Marshall Henderson in tow. Marshall Henderson should be there. He said he's coming. If you don't remember, he attended Utah originally out of high school before um, going Juco and ending up at Ole Miss. So we'll definitely be looking for Marshall this weekend. Something, he didn't leave on good terms. He did not leave Utah on good terms. Something tells me uh, Marshall's going to be easy to spot. Something about Marshall, uh, he always stands out in the crowd. I, it's I think, the fashion. It's I think the, we'll be able yeah. to we'll be able to see him. Um, hopefully, talk to him, hang out with him a little bit. Uh, Miss Marshall, I want to ask him how his uh, tour of China went. He said they went undefeated on Twitter. That's pretty cool. Um, so, so yeah, so, two lane day yeah, two. Yeah, right, exactly. Yeah, so the the three seed Boston College don't know anything about them, but generally the three seeds in these regionals probably don't even play them. Probably going to end up playing two lane in the second game. They're pretty good. They're thirty nine and thirteen, I believe. Uh, took a couple games from LSU on the season and um, Southern Miss, I think. Probably, yeah. I think, yeah. Uh, I need to uh, I need to do more research into into Tulane. I, I have a scouting report of theirs that I want to read, but I haven't gotten to it yet. But um, all my friends from Hattiesburg that I'm sure are listening are oh, upset sure. that I if I got Southern beating Tulane or losing wrong. Sorry, guys. <laughs> yeah, so I was hoping Hattiesburg was gonna have that regional. I was gonna be proud. That would have been. State. I, I would love there to Getting be three. three. No, so Hattiesburg cool. got a, a real shit draw going to Tallahassee yes. to play FSU. I, I thought they might have sent them. Usher State, just that's just yeah. Fun. See, I I really fun. thought yesterday during the selection show when they had announced um, so many of the regional and the super regional mm-hmm. pairings, I was convinced. Also, I was disappointed we didn't get paired with State. Well, I was convinced they were going to pair Ole Miss with State, yeah. just as an fu to both of us. I mean, that's or last time they did it. Uh... State didn't keep up their end of the bargain. Right. They well, last up. time they paired right us. us. With, yeah, yeah, yeah. It was well. Or, no, 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 no. It was. They paired us with ULL, and State was in the ULL regional, and right. State okay. lost. Right, yeah, right. And so we ended up uh-huh. having to go to ULL. So if State had won that, then State would have come to Oxford because they weren't a host that year. Um, but yeah, I don't even know who's in State regional. Oh, they got um, they got one of the UC teams. Uh, oh, good for them. Nice. UC Davis maybe or somebody. No, I think it's pretty pretty tough. Uh, oh, right. Yeah, wrong? pretty tough okay. too for them. So that's we'll just maybe, been my. It might my, be Baker. Apologies, this year I'm just assuming anything. It's even all the Western bad. No, no I think it might be UC Bakersfield, or it's one of the ones that are historically good. It's one of the small ball teams that bunts and whatnot. Mm-hmm. Um, could oh, be a problem. Okay. Could be a problem for State. So we'll see what happens there. Well, I wonder but, with you know State, two dominant 
starting arms. Yeah, and uh, and a dominant lineup, the dominant. Bats. Oh yeah, and the bats. But they, um, they, I agree. This question mark. It's tough. Uh, regionals, you realize uh, the bullpen plays so much, which is why. Yep. I'm feeling good about us. The bullpen plays a lot, and also uh, you need to get past your second starter. You know, you, you got to get into your third and fourth starter a lot. It's a tournament. You know, it's mm-hmm. a lot at the SEC tournament. And since we've had you know eight starters this season somehow, right? We should be ready. Right. Exactly. No pitching seems to be in order, and the the bats are really hot right now. They just got to over the past hot. two weeks have looked. Got to stay hot run. during this off week. Um, as I mentioned, though, watch the Oxford Regional. Look for us in Marshall, but also be keeping an eye on that Miami Regional, um, pulling for an upset. Um, we didn't get to uh, to Art Bryles. I'm sure we'll we'll come back to that in the future. We could have made some false moral equivalencies between. We could have, although I think the only, the only moral equivalencies that really should be made are between Baylor and Tennessee. I think, they yeah. seem to have a lot in common. Um, yeah, Butch Jones is uh, still happily employed Just by the University Rocky of Tennessee. Rocky Top with, you know, we'll they don't look around, I, blinders I, on. That's I true. Know. I think I promised people on Twitter today that uh, if Butch Jones ever gets fired, I'll figure out a way to have a call-in show. And we can all uh, we can all laugh about it and have a good time with that. We got to hope for just the sake of everyone that we it do. ends well, up that way, and especially for the sake of you know the female population yeah, the, of the, the University of Tennessee. Yeah, I hope the moral that, arc is long, but it bends towards justice. Something we're hoping that justice is due here, because I mean this is atrocious. I'm happy to see Baylor finally, I guess, cleaning house. Do you agree? Do you agree with that? That the moral arc bends towards justice. I'm not sure. Oh, that I don't. I think that's kind of the myth of you know conservatism always loses because progressiveness is forward right. to the people's changing ethos. Right. But that over a long period of time, who's to say that's well, in I the just, correct direction? I just think uh, things get really messed I agree, up. Maybe get better eventually. I agree more with the moral underpinnings of progressivism than I do with. The idea that universally things are gonna morality is trending towards the universe. Justice. The universe is indifferent to morality. I'm I would. Afa- think. I'm afraid sometimes humans. I are would too. think. No, see, I uh, think I think humanity as a whole uh, bends towards progress and bends towards yeah. moral improvement. But I just think that that quote that say it again. The arc of morality bends towards justice. It's misattributed okay. to Martin Luther King Jr. Someone said The arc of morality him. bends towards justice. It's interesting to think about for sure. And listeners, mm-hmm. we'll leave you uh we'll leave you with this to think about for the next week and uh see what you come up with. Yeah, bend but, your uh, own heart. Don't just hope sure, justice I think, is served. Please. Exactly. I, I think and this kind of ties back into what we were talking about all show about, you know, the morality of being a college football fan. Um, I don't think that we can depend on the universe to necessarily bend itself toward itself toward justice. You know, we're gonna have to. Or we, uh, we rely on the NCAA to be we certainly, the sword of justice. Right. I really don't think we should depend on the NCAA to uh, to be the only source of justice in the in our uh, college sports world landscape. But um, you know, be the be the change you want to see in the dialogue on the NCAA. You know what I'm saying? Uh, we'll 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 end uh, there for now, though, guys. Um, thank you for listening, as always, and thanks to Will for joining me on this yeah, special hey. edition of the podcast. Thank uh, you for having me. It was a pleasure. It was a real pleasure. I had a wonderful um, time. Hopefully, we'll have him back on again someday. And if you're a listener of the podcast and you want to, you know, you know, be a potential co-host one day, maybe tweet at me, and we'll see if we can make it happen. We do tweet at us. Find us in Oxford this weekend. Absolutely, look for Will and I this weekend. Um, if you're going to be up there and you want to hang out, go to a game together or something, just tweet at me, and uh, we can make it happen for sure. But um, don't forget, if you aren't already, 
get on your iPhone, assuming you have one. Um, go to the, the podcast app. Search Land Sharks After Dark. Hit that subscribe button. It's really easy. You don't have to worry about looking for our podcast ever again. It's going to come and find you wherever you are on your mobile device. Um, looking into uh, maybe getting on Podbean or something like that. Uh, John Stevens, an uh, old friend and listener, reached out to me and asked if we'd ever consider doing that. I think maybe for Android users that would be convenient. So I'm going to look into that. Um, for now, though... Subscribe on iTunes if you got an iPhone. If not, you can listen on our website, LandSharksAfterDark.com, or follow us on Twitter. Our username is at SharksAFTRDark. We're always having fun, engaging with the oldest news of the day, and uh, trolling trolls and all that kind of good stuff. Um, but for now, for Will, I'm Justin. Thanks for listening. We'll talk to you again next time.